listening to WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond, and this is Municipal Mania. Welcome to our inaugural edition of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. On the February 21st edition, we give you the dirt on RVA Dirt and the lowdown on our local government and elected officials. You may have heard us on Quick and Dirty, City Council Roundup, on Open Source RVA. Well, guess what? Now you get more of us on our new segment, Municipal Mania, where we will talk about whatever we damn well please. Hmm. We started RVA Dirt in August 2016 as a local blog that focuses on the wild world of Richmond City politics and making information more accessible to the average residents to assist in holding our elected officials accountable. Mostly we throw shade at local elected officials, but sometimes we manage to find the time to get in some content tweets from city council meetings, school board meetings, and oh lord the forums. Currently there are three of us involved with RVA Dirt, and if you follow us on social media, PSA, follow us on everything at RVA Dirt, hashtag RVA Mayor, hashtag RVA Council, hashtag RPS Board. We identify ourselves with emojis. Sorry, I'm being vain over here. <laughs> take <it> selfies. <laughs> that portrait mode, <coughs> it's like crack. Oh, I, I know. Oh, I'm going to take one this way and get everybody. I was on Snap, not going to lie. <laughs> You're on Snap. I, well, I was doing like... You're snapping the filters. Me. No, I was snapping you. Tearing I was like, up, not was... saying the stuff right. <laughs> There's a saying that they tell you to do, and I can't remember what it is. It's like red leather, yellow leather, red leather. That's yellow what it leather. is. Red leather, yellow leather, red yellow leather. See, I can't even do it. All right, so I'm just going into my intro. Yeah, go for it. I'm Jesse, the information desk girl emoji, or the whatever girl. My education background is in political science, philosophy, and communication studies. So naturally, by day, I'm a sales and recruiting manager for an insurance company. By night, though, I dig deep into the recesses of the interwebs to bring all of the facts with all of the receipts. I'm also a full-time cat mom, a travel addict, and a CrossFit cult member. Basically, I just really don't like to sleep. Hey, y'all. I'm Melissa, the B. I'm a longtime local government and radio enthusiast. I do many things here at WRIR. First and foremost, I'm the volunteer coordinator. I'm also a board operator and a board member, so I am rarely bored. <laughs> oh my yeah. God, really? <laughs> I am also corny as hell. <laughs> Occasionally, I work for money, entering warranty tickets for a local appliance repair company. I began watching City Council at the tender age of 11 when I stumbled upon it on Channel 57. Ye oldie antenna. This was 1990, folks, the era of Chuck Richardson. Oh, boy. Otherwise, I like to garden, brag on my dog and cats, and be a hermit in my north side home. I'm Francesca Lee Davis, but not that Lee Davis. I'm also the lipstick emoji. Hey, girl, hey. My education background is in psychology and human resource development, which helps me immensely be a bomb-ass stay-at-home mom. In my non-existent free time, I enjoy floral design, party planning, and dressing my son up like Marty Jewell. Long live the ham sandwich. I'm a 5 a.m. gym junkie and a Judas vegan that occasionally enjoys a chicken wing. I like my hair big and my politics messy. Hashtag shade. Probably the most important thing to understand about our city government is the Dillon Rule. The Dillon Rule is a theory that local governments would not exist without the state creating them. Therefore, all power a locality has is at the will and the discretion of the state. Basically, if Virginia General Assembly hasn't clearly stated that Richmond City can do something, then we can't. If it ain't on the list, it ain't happening. You want a plastic bag tax? Nope. Sorry, can't do it. Want to add protected classes to the city's fair housing ordinance? That's a big negatory. Want to take down those stupid monuments? Yeah, uh uh-uh, that ain't happening. Er Richmond is broken down into nine voter districts across the city. Entirely north of the river are the 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 7th districts. The 1st district, known as the West End, includes Monument Avenue west of the boulevard and a portion of the Museum District, Windsor Farms, over to the Grove and Libby shopping area, and the University of Richmond. The 2nd district, North Central, includes VCU, the Fan District, Jackson Ward, and some parts of Northside, south of Laburnum and east of Brook Road. The 3rd district, Northside, includes areas of Ginter Park, Brooklyn Park, and Gilpin Court. The 7th district, East End, includes the areas of Churchill, Fulton Hill, Creighton Court, Wickham Court, and Fairfield, just to name a few. Two districts straddle the river, that's the 5th and the 6th. The 5th district, Central, encompasses Carytown, Bird Park, Randolph, Oregon Hill, and parts of Southside near the Sam's Forest Hill split and bordered by Hull Street. The 6th district, Gateway, which is kind of the hug district, as it hugs around the city warmly, 
Gerrymandering. <laughs> That's the damn truth. It includes Highland Park. It's my home. Downtown, Shaco Bottom, and Manchester. City Hall is also located in the 6th District. Moving to entirely south of the river are 4th, 8th, and 9th Districts. The 4th District, southwest, includes Forest Hill and Westover Hills neighborhoods. The 8th District, south side, includes the industrial area of the Jeff Davis Corridor, Philip Morris, the McGuire Veterans Hospital Complex, and the Elkhart and Davy Gardens neighborhoods. And the 9th District, south central, is deep south side. Think Broad Rock, Walmsley, Hull Street Road, and the Richmond side of Midlothian Turnpike. Each of the nine districts elects their city council member and school board representative, and we all vote together on who we want to be mayor. The dynamic between these three governing bodies is complicated at best and dysfunctional most of the time. The mayor is our executive branch who is elected to serve four years with a two-term limit. They serve almost as a figurehead who sets the vision, finds opportunities, and leads the city on its journey of improvement. Of course, there are limitations to mayoral powers. They can say what whatever they want, but council still has to pass an ordinance or a resolution for the mayor's vision to become a reality. City council is our legislative branch of government who are elected to four-year terms with no term limits. City council elects one of its members to serve as president and another to serve as vice president for two-year terms. City council passes legislation on everything ranging from the budget to special use permits. In addition, they hold the power of the purse. This means that while the mayor makes suggestions, City Council is the ultimate deciding authority on how money is allocated and any tax rates or changes and the necessary bonding. Finally, there is a school board who's the governing body for elected officials that establish a vision and enact policy for the Richmond Public Schools District. School board representatives are elected to four-year terms, also with no term limits. They elect one of its members to serve as chair and another to serve as vice chair for one-year terms. City Council holding the checkbook causes a ton of tension with school board. Any money to address facilities or other needs has to be approved through council since school board does not have the power to raise their own funds. So that is our city setup as authorized and expressly permitted by the Commonwealth of Virginia, setting us up as a black hole of governance. All right, so now that you all know the mania behind our municipality, uh, we're going to kind of go into who exactly are the representatives we've elected to represent us, for lack of a better uh, phrasing on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we'll start first at the top with the mayor. Lavar. So Lavar Stoney, he's 36. He was elected in 2016, so he was inaugurated January 2017. So he's pretty new. He just finished mm -hmm. up his first year. What do you guys think? I want to give a little bit of background. He was former Secretary of the Commonwealth. And he was there during a time when some big things were happening in that office. Uh, he's definitely BFFs with uh, former Governor McAuliffe, and that put him in a great place to, I think, do a lot of the things that he did while he was in office as Secretary of the Commonwealth. I mean, one of the big things he did as Secretary of the Commonwealth was he was really kind of spearheading the restoration of rights that, that McAuliffe did while he was in office, mm -hmm. if anybody remembers that, which it was the whole, like, what is an auto pen? Is that legal? But it really helped out a lot of people that were um, felons, giving them the right to vote, which is amazing. LeVar was also responsible for spearheading the change in the process of applications for uh, felons to get their restorative rights back as well. It was a crazy process at first, and I know because I was out there beating down the pavement trying to do it. And then that application was reduced down to a one-page application, which was amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then I guess just human error or something, but... Um, the process just kind of took off and got kind of crazy wacko in the computer and people were filling out the application but they weren't getting their rights restored because their names were in, you know, backwards in the system or spelled wrong or they, their criminal records weren't right. It was a mess. So I think we kind of needed the reset that we got and it, it was a lot of work for people that were on the ground that had to go back and re-register all those people. But in the long run, it, it was totally needed. It was great. I was glad to be a part of that process. And LeVar did do a lot of work in that office to then pass on to Kelly Thompson that was just awesome. But that was, I think, my first dealings with him in politics here in Virginia. And I think it was definitely notable. Oh, for sure. And then so before he was appointed as Secretary of the Commonwealth, um, he was actually, wasn't he like head of the Democratic Party? Well, not like national. The Virginia the Democratic, Virginia Democratic, Democratic Party. Party. Let me like not give him too much credit on this one, guys. Like, <laughs> Sorry, LeVar. <laughs> yes, he was. He was. Yeah, and so like he was the, I believe, the executive director, or the political director or something like that. Um, 
so he has a lot of experience like even though he's 36 i think i was always kind of impressed at like how much management experience he did have Mm -hmm. and i remember like during the campaign jack berry would really position himself as oh i'm the ceo and i have this like clear memory of some forum where lavar's like I've also signed checks. It's <laughs> I've managed people before. Yeah, it's fine. Sit down. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, that leads us to the tire slashing incident. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dramatic. It is. It's a really it's, dramatic yeah. moment. I don't really think it should even be that dramatic. It's like. not. <laughs> it really isn't. It's, it's pretty savage, though. Tell, tell us about it. Let's, let's hear about it. So from what I remember, it was something where it was in Wisconsin, and there were some Democratic operatives. Mm-hmm. Not LeVar, though. Um, right. He was not participating in this, but there were like five or something Democratic operatives who slashed tires of Republicans. And then when the police interrogated LeVar as somebody who was a manager of mm-hmm. said party, he t- denied any knowledge of it. Mm-hmm. So then fast forward, the FBI gets involved and it comes out that he did not tell 100% truth mm-hmm. about to the cops, which... Oh, it's kind of like Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. There you go. I mean, I was going to say hashtag no snitches. Like... I, I, do, I do not recall. <laughs> oh, that's a Jeff Sessions. Yeah. Uh, I do not recall. <laughs> But he, he later went on to fix it because he ended up, you know, testifying against him later and fixing it. Correct it because I'm a good boy and I want a political career because I'm so ambitious. That's it. That's yeah. it. Because I think that was one big thing that came out in the campaign was the whole tire slashing incident that was like posed to this massive FBI investigation. And then we found out <laughs> it was like nothing, nothing. Um, so the past year, I think what was interesting is like one of the first things, if I say what I, one of the first things, it was literally the first thing he did coming into office was he was the, I guess, minister for two of his friends who were getting married. Yep. And so that was kind of a big thing because it was a gay marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was kind of an interesting statement. And by interesting, like not bad, but it was really cool, I thought, to see him like 12.01 a.m. like getting in there, which it was kind of cool to think about like the progressive opportunity that that really presents for Great somebody. way to set the tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then from there, I mean, we've seen him out in the community, you know, trying to, I mean, my dad calls him like the selfie mayor because you see him like in a Yeah, but he's selfie, out there but he's fixing potholes like, and mm-hmm. plowing snow and it's really going to every trying, school that he can get to. It's him trying to understand the process. Mm-hmm. Like he promised every year he would go to all 44 schools and he's done that for the first year so far. So he's followed through. The other one, though, that gets a little contentious is he ran on being the education mayor. And he, so far, I mean, he put into place the education compact, which probably took a little bit longer than anybody expected. It's still... For those who don't know what the education compact is, though, it's an agreement. It's non-binding, but it's an agreement between the mayor, city council, and school board to work together to improve our schools. Yeah. And it basically sets up, like, quarterly joint meetings between all three bodies so they have like a constant touch point of talking to be able to fund schools also has the compact team which has community members members from the business community that are also meeting to talk about like how can we improve things like what resources can we leverage and there's also like a children's cabinet portion Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really to increase collaboration and originally when he proposed it there was actually a lot of backlash from education activists, basically saying that it was LeVar trying to step in and take over the schools in a way. It was very overreaching. And it ended up kind of getting a little gutted. So it really came down to really just having the collaboration and and the meetings is really what came out of it. What do you think of as his greatest accomplishment in the first year? I think this most recent like meals tax thing has been pivotal because it's actually people committing funds to schools. But I would actually say like even more than that, the number of people I've heard that say, I can see a difference Mm -hmm. on my street. That's what matters to me. Potholes are being filled alleys are being repaired Mm -hmm. like for as many things that we can gripe about and about him and like trust me i've got a list sure not having your leaves collected anymore and having them instead collected in your storm drain yeah that's not a high point for me but it's also not like you know the worst thing that's ever happened right yeah you know we did have dwight jones for eight years so i'm telling you i i um i one of the first things i told lavar when just kind of on the side when he was running i said please fix city hall that it's a mess in there, please do something. I haven't gotten my business license. (laughs) (laughs) And it's late in the year. And he was like, you know, what do you think, you know, we can do? I said, I don't know. I mean, I know everybody screamed the buzzword during the election was transparency. 
And I was like, I can see a whole bunch of people in there. I don't need them to be transparent. I just need them to do their job. Can they just work a little bit more efficiently? I got my business license this year. All right. Hey. Like 2018? Like we're sitting in February and you got it? Mm-hmm. Huh. I, I do. I, I think I, I totally agree. I think the feeling people have a lot. You're always going to have people that are naysayers, but I can definitely see that people just can feel the difference. Yeah. In Richmond. They I think one thing it. I wish is that he'd be a little bit more like, not PRE, but, you know, a little bit more upfront about proactive, I think is the word I'm looking for. Like a little more proactive about getting information out about like what he is doing. Because mm-hmm. I think there's been a lot of behind the scenes work and mm-hmm. people are expecting there to be so many more big things. Yeah. But I think the most improvements have really been like small fundamental things in his first year, which are good things that are important. Yeah. yeah. I'd also like to give him a little bit of a pat on the back for coming out on the side of taking the monuments down. Yeah, finally. It took a while. but Yeah, it took a little while, but, you know. He walked um, back. <laughs> so, look, sometimes people want to say, oh, flip-flop, blah, blah, blah. It's okay to change your mind if you get a different set of facts. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say different or alternative facts. If you get facts that actually work yeah. to change your mind, yeah. that's all right. Yeah, It's, it's ultimately where right. you end up anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. That's our mayor. And do we want to move along to city council? Yes, because I think something people forget about city council, and I'm probably going to say it over and over and over and over and over again, is that like much like Congress, city council really has more power than the mayor. They do. And they're more, in my opinion, our problem, our blessing. Um, for as many things as people point their fingers at Dwight Jones for, you know, council had to be complicit in yeah. a lot of sure. the things that he did. Well, they hold all the money. They are Scrooge McDuck. Well, I also think that's that's one thing, if we can go back real quick, that the mayor has realized by the time Dwight got into his, oh my, OMG, Dwight needs to go stage, you know, he'd already made enemies on council and then nothing was getting done. And so I think I, you can definitely tell by the way that LeVar is positioning himself that he knows he's got to play nice because they hold well, a purse. And also I would say he's, LeVar is 36. I'll say it a million times. He's mm-hmm. at the beginning of his political career, not yeah. the end. That's he, right. he recognizes that what he wants to do, there's years left on it. Yep. So we'll go through each council person, um, starting with the first district. With Andreas Addison. But he has nice double buckle shoes. He does. He does. Uh, one of our one of our natty dressers. <laughs> yeah. You know. Those are called those are called monk buckles. Oh, oh nice. So he um this is actually his first term. Um, he comes from like the technology side of things, uh, civic innovator, I mm-hmm. think is what we have. But he has really been big on transparency of government, especially as it relates to data mm-hmm. and also technology advancement. So I've seen him be very pragmatic voting wise. It's yeah. pretty much my summary of Addison. Oh, yeah. And um, he was the one who clued us in on the fact that there's actually money to update uh, all of the audio visual mm-hmm. uh, side of council, you know, because we have gavel to gavel on TV every council Monday. And the sound system is not that great. And the visuals <laughs> look like old VHS. And, you know, that that was actually really frustrating to him, as it was to a lot of us who kind of rely on that to follow council. Mm-hmm. And so I think in the future, we're going to see him uh, bring up revamping and um, speaking of transparency, getting um, access to local government out to regular citizens like we try to do, mm-hmm. um, that he's passionate about that too. And uh, I find that to be refreshing. And as a pragmatic voter, normally, sometimes I you know, get a little emotional, but normally I try to be pragmatic and I appreciate his diligence. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, speaking to your point about like it's okay to flip-flop um, or change your mind rather, it's not a negative thing. I think he's one that did it very well and he's gotten a lot of criticism and backlash for it so with the most recent meals tax he originally came out as very hard no Mm -hmm. which was kind of expected in my opinion with the first district that he's in yeah um which is a very conservative area like there's a lot of trump voters in that area and people that are just against taxes in general and he then did his research and Mm -hmm. came back and said you know i've looked at the numbers i've looked at all of our options and i also ran on fixing schools and even though we were sitting in council and he was getting booed and hissed, and yeah. he really came out by saying, like, there's no other option. And really gave an emotional yeah. appeal. So then um, second district, going to her, Kim Gray. So she uh, was actually on school board previously. She came into city council in January 2017. I think my favorite thing is that she's Danish famous. <laughs> yeah. She's famous in Denmark for realsies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what an odd little claim to fame, right? Yeah. 
And like, so I think I remember what happened to explain that was uh, she she ended up like her, I guess, school board signs mimicked the Obama sign. Mm-hmm. And she had just changed it a little bit. And people were telling her on election night, people were stealing her signs. <laughs> and she was having absolutely zero percent of that. And she like went out there to go ask them, like, what are you doing? And she ran into them. And they were actually people from Denmark that were making like a documentary and <laughs> trying to take her signs to show like people are using Same. some of his messaging and it's yeah. appearing in local government. So she actually did, like, a whole interview with them. And so she's actually <laughs> Denmark famous, which I don't know if that's better or worse than Richmond famous. So. Mm-hmm. But she also was kind of a, I'd say, controversial figure on school board, maybe a little bit. Um, she was not so much, like, the outspoken, loud, angry individual that some other people were. But she was a target at some point. So she's also a self-employed realtor. And I don't know. I think it's she's been interesting for me because, you know, I really like... Kim, I like how outspoken she can be. She was always on school board, somebody who was willing to take interviews when other people weren't. Mm -hmm. And she ran on school funding, but... Well, you know, I enjoy her personally, but I go back and forth on her as a council member. I get irritated with the the line, I don't have enough information, I haven't had enough time. That seems to be like... Well, it takes her three weeks to buy a washing machine we learned. Yes. Oh, dear. That was her... Well, that was her um, example of why uh, the meals tax increase um, was kind of rammed through for her because you know you, it takes you that long to figure out what washing machine you want i'm like really three weeks look it took me all of a day yeah to make a know. decision on a washing machine so that's really just apples and oranges well she's also like sided with things that i don't think i expected her to side right. with and i yeah. think the reason i didn't expect she's her to a side with card. them because the people who backed her during her campaign were very much millennials. Yeah. And I kind of saw her as maybe a newer part of Richmond, especially running against someone like a Charlie Dirador, who's very yeah. much like the development, outspoken, kind of different persona. But, mm-hmm. you know, since her time on council in the past year, she's been very pro-Westwood Tract. No, no, and she's she been was fighting. Anti-Westwood Tract. Well, she's very pro the people who the are against people it. people who are against it. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Like, she doesn't want it there. Um, and, you know, some of her reasons, I get it. But at the same time, she's not really addressing the fact that this is not helping an area grow and right. helping affordable housing. And then she went on to be very um, against continuing the discussion about taking the monuments down. Well, and it also seemed really odd to me that she was chummy with Helen Marie Taylor. Those who don't know, mm-hmm. she is an ancient racist that lives on Monument Avenue and who's... Ancient. She's the, she is ancient. She's the one who told Mike Jones a black council member, what he should be grateful for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember. That he should be grateful for the Reconstruction period. <clears throat> yeah. And yeah. all of the opportunities white Richmond has afforded mm. its black residents is basically what she was saying. And well, fun so, fact, she also was quoted in the 80s in the Washington Post, Helen Marie Taylor, not Kim Gray, let me clarify. Helen Marie Taylor was quoted as saying that people <clears throat> on welfare shouldn't have the right to vote. Mm. Right, okay. so it really surprises me that Kim Gray... As a brown person. As, yes, as a brown person, would cozy up to this sort of constituent. Um, knowing that a lot of her constituents... Are brown. Are, are brown, are VCU students, mm-hmm. uh, live in possibly Jackson Ward, are renting tiny, dingy little yeah. hovels in the fan. But it seems like she focuses on the big-ticket voters. I think she's going to run for mayor. Post-election. Because uh, during the election, it it wasn't like that. And that's what I'm saying. I think she's a wild card because just when I think I've got my thumb on where she, or be able to predict where she might stand, Mm -mm. no, she throws it far left every time. (laughs) Personally, I find her to be, uh, you know, a really insightful, um, entertaining person. Mm -hmm. So then we're going to talk about my council person. Good Lord. Are y'all ready for this? Seriously, hold on to your butts. All right, so let me start with this one, though. So Chris Hilbert, uh, he actually is a senior strategic lending officer. He works for VHDA, which is the Virginia Housing Development Authority. He lives up in, like, the Ginter Park area, generally, um, with his wife. So when I was running for school board, I made the suggestion on Twitter that what he should do is have a uh, campaign event that was called Netflix and Chilbert. (laughs) Because his name, his initial, is C. Hilbert. Chilbert. And... It, he, it went completely over his head, which is very typical Chris the more I get to know him. Right. And um, he said something like, no time for Netflix this century, no time for chill this century, maybe some Netflix. It was so bizarre. but It was so bizarre, but it has bizarre. spawned a million nicknames. Nicknames, yep. I can't help myself. Like, I am the giver of nicknames. <laughs> um, so let me just run through. <laughs> we'll see if I can make it through because I, I like to, um, during the quick and dirty city council roundup, I like to surprise Jesse with these nicknames every week. <laughs> Um, so Netflix and Chilbert started it. Then we have No Chilbert, 
It's when he hits the gavel and gets super angry. So pissy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mad Skillsbert <clears throat> and DJ Chili Chillbert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to get worse, I promise you. Oh, yeah. And so <laughs> what did I say about being corny as hell? Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, speaking of him being the out-of-order comment, so he's council president right now. Right. And he is not good at it. No, so he doesn't <laughs> understand procedure. We live by Chilbert's rules of order. Yeah, it's Chilbert's. It, it's not Robert's rules of it. It, it confuses me so like Robert much. Robert died. Yep. And Chris took over. And he, bumbling yep. chaos reigns. It, it really is interesting how many times the clerk has to clarify for him. And, oh, so and he does like to change the rules like midway. Hey, guys, do you guys think that maybe we could change it this time? Like, you know. Yeah. Can, and, we, can we get a vote? <laughs> yeah. And so I actually um, was talking to him before I was deciding to run for school board. And I was at one of the third district meetings. And we were talking to him about, like, why he decided to run and how long he's been on council. Because he's been on council since 2005. Yes. It's which a is a minute. Time, yeah. And he actually told me he looked at the voting demographic and who voted and where they voted and decided that he could win those voters. Mm. And that's how he decided to run at that point because he mm. thought he could win. And so since then, like, nobody has really been a, a big challenger challenger um, in force. But he's getting to the point now where he's having to vote today for decisions he made previously. Yeah. So during the meals tax discussion, he actually brought up the fact that when he started on council, the real estate property tax was a dollar. $1.39. And against Doug Wilder's advisement, um, they council voted to decrease it to where it is today at 120. But I think that's just an interesting point where he's going to be getting heat for having to increase the meals tax. But he's also the same person who 19 cents is a lot. Mm-hmm. It's it a huge it reduction. Go a long way. And the reason they did it was because of like obviously the the housing boom, which as we know then turned to bust. Well, and the real estate organizations around here have a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have a lot of pull. Folks who are concerned with retaining powerful voters, you know, tend to pander to that sort of lot. Mm-hmm. And that's where he skews. So, like, he, I've seen him fight more probably for those stupid trees on Seminary Avenue. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's crazy to me because he runs yeah, he on uh, public safety. And he also loves to tell the story about how he was in Gilpin campaigning, knocking on doors, and there was a murder. And yet, you know, during the RRHA. I, I was in Gilpin at the same time. I was okay. He was fine too. <laughs> I was behind my clipboard. It was it was totally cool. He was fine. Yeah. But then during the RRHAE crisis, you have Nothing. just silence. Nothing. <laughs> Somebody run against him, please. <laughs> uh, before we go, I, I do like to say I have a saying about Chris Helbert. Yeah. Um, I say that he's a fence sitter waiting for a strong fart to blow him in either direction. <laughs> the one that comes from people's money. There you go. Oops. All right. All right. Are we so moving fourth along? District, yeah. Moving right along. So fourth district's represented by Kristen Larson. Former school board member, another one. That's the second one. She's very analytical. Like, I really like her. She actually sends out, like, a newsletter to all of her constituents, like a paper newsletter. Yeah, she does. Every single month. I think it's every single month. And also it I'm is. getting, like, the I online one from her. She's very communicative. She is. She talks um, a lot to her constituents. She does care about uh, their voices, and she does tend to skew uh on their side and i mean that's good in a lot of ways and I mean, in some ways you know it can be a, a hassle you know a great example would probably be Lair's park regardless of what you yeah. feel about Lair's park like you know there's some things that i think are probably imperfect about that deal which basically if you don't know what it is um chesterfield county is going to build a, a facility there for them to be able to basically buy water from the city and originally this was one ordinance and a lot of people did not like this idea because it is a, a park and she actually took the time to work with them and suddenly it ended up being like eight ordinances <laughs> where they ended up being able to purchase another tract of land to incorporate it into Lara's Park and then have the water treatment plant somewhere else. And there were a lot of people that still weren't happy with how it ended. But at the same time, I can really appreciate the, the amount of due diligence that she did of going out there and trying to figure out what the problem was. Mm-hmm. And maybe find, like, an acceptable answer. And I was going to say, finding an acceptable answer, that worked. But she was just elected. She also was one of the ones elected January 2017 was her first. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, so far, she doesn't make a lot of controversial decisions other than, you know, being very much against the meals tax increase. But otherwise, I, I just think she really is for her district. And those the decisions she's going to make are based mostly off of She is very, uh, very fourth district centric. Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember sitting in the education compact, like the joint meeting of the three bodies, and a lot of her questions were very much like, but what about my area? And what about the school's needs in my area? So I could definitely see where she's going to be one that really fights for the fourth. Which is, um, 
good and bad. It is. It's good. It's refreshing, finally. But, you know. But also, can you have know, its, yeah. Screw your district. <laughs> you are listening to Municipal Mania on WRIRLP 97.3 FM, Richmond Independent Radio. <laughs> so, you can go on to the fifth, though. Oh, Park Radulasto, our honorary Lorax. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think that was the funniest thing. I had to laugh. Like, he put forth a bill that was to basically prevent fracking in city limits. It's not easy being green. And go. there's no reason that this is actually a current threat, but he pretty much was like, but I if it ever comes up, it's not happening. It's not happening. Well, <laughs> so seeing as he's the executive director of the Capital Region Land Conservancy, none of this should be surprising. There we go. Absolutely. So anytime a tree is ripped down, he hears it scream and comes to its rescue. Uh, we do love him for that. Also, though, he knows more about policy and rules than any other council member and probably anybody else in City Hall. And he makes it known, too. He has man no problem with that. man is the procedural wizard. I have to My say I appreciate he's that. Not, he's not really obnoxious about it either. No. Like, it's no, those moments not. where he's quiet, and then all of a sudden, it's this just, like, word vomit yep. of all the information you could ever want. And I'm just sitting here and like... extra. What? 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 <laughs> what? just happened and like I'm you like, you thought that it was over and then parker's like but wait a second i just want to let you know that what you did here was wrong and let me explain to you in triplicate why why like if i thought i had receipts like no nope. yeah no nope, parker but every single yours. one of them dating back i was gonna know. say your receipts are, are are digital you know yeah yeah like a log his or his are yeah. totally up here oh, yeah. in his mind oh yeah <laughs> it's the amount of information he just reels off is unreal to me mm-hmm. and he's been on since 2013 and i'm really excited to to kind of see where this this season goes because he was one who very reluctantly season like this is our reality tv well, sorry, y'all I guess it kind of is <laughs> It's budget is. season. I call it budget season. Budget season. Yeah. It's it is. It's a budget season. Thing, yeah. Oh, and that is definitely his bread and butter right there. Yep. He's real good at the budgeting. And, you know, he um, was one that we really thought was going to vote against the meals tax and then came, walked it back. Yeah. But voted with, yes. But with, like, really measured thought and yes. really good reasoning. Um, and he doesn't ever do anything like that flippantly. Mm-mm. So... His voters can take heart that the reason that he did it was for their best interest. Yeah. Everything that he does is for the best interest, not of just his district, though, is of the city. Because and he has backed up other council members on um, papers involving, you know, Kristen Larson's district because they are kind of sister yeah. districts. Yep. Um, he really is a supporter of his colleagues when when they deserve it. Yeah, and he'll be interesting because he's one who very much, when he did vote yes for the meals tax, I, I, I just I have it so clearly burned in my mind where I thought, I don't know if he thought it was like a threat, where he's like, say goodbye to the Redskins training camp. And we, and we were, were all like, like Whoa! Whoa! Yeah, we're, there, we're there for it. And Hilbert's all like, no applause. <laughs> But you can applaud after I talk. Right, of course, <laughs> because that's what really matters. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll go on to the sixth. Um, that's mine. Yeah. It's my Huggy Hug district. Such a weird gerrymandered district. So Ellen Robertson is my councilwoman since 2003, y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, she did have quite a challenger in Don Moss in 2016. And I have to admit, I was a little sad that uh, he didn't take it. I think... She's been on a long time. I do think she cares about this district, but it's such 2003. a... 2003. 2003, yeah. Um, but it's such a strange district that the interests of the district vary from All one end place. to the yeah. other because you've got Highland Park, um, which has a right. large amount of poor folks and folks of color. Mm-hmm. And then you go all the way over to Manchester, which is new and shiny and full of white millennials. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's hard. And then also... You have LeVar in her district. Yep. That's her councilman. And then also, uh, you have a lot of elderly folks in the upper part of the district mm-hmm. and a lot of younger folks in the lower part. Yeah. So it's competing interests. And so I think that that's probably difficult for her. <clears throat> I, I would I'm imagine sure. that it'd be difficult. But she is one that it's her advocacy right now on affordable housing yeah. is, is big, I think, because in her district, it's neighboring up to my district right. where... It's just rapid gentrification happening of like mm-hmm. developers coming in, flippers coming in, and she sees like 
I was talking to her about my house and where I live on my block and how prices went within like six months mm-hmm. from the 150, 175 range to yeah. 350, 450. Yep. And she sees how unsustainable that is because she does have a history as a, a community and housing developer where she like understands kind of those consequences. Yeah, this is really where she excels. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is where her heart is. So I definitely ha- I have to give her props on that. Though in times past, though, she's been a, a little bit of a, um, oh, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. I didn't do that. <laughs> or unreachable. Though I have to say, since the, like, Don Moss incident, she has been a lot more um, attentive to her constituents. Um Questions get answered quickly. Mm-hmm. All right, so right up the street from my new place uh, was the Third Avenue Tot Lot, which was a crumbling rust farm uh, where, you know, tetanus probably was running rampant Dear for Lord. years and years and years. I mean, squishy metal, for crying out loud. It was really gross. And some folks in the neighborhood got together and got with her. And in, I don't know, the turnaround time was less than a year, much less than a year, she got us a new Tot Lot, brand new, state of the art for multiple age ranges, and it's fantastic. Overby Shepherd, looking good, looking mm-hmm. good. Kids are back in school. So our, um, I don't know if she had anything to do with this, but we got all new uh, fire hydrants mm. in Highland Park recently. So mm-hmm. I, I don't have too much to complain about on her right now. I think she is doing a good job. That's really all I got to say about that. She She's focusing on right, her district. Gump. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all, and that's all I've got to say hey, about bye, that. Bye. <laughs> oh, man, so Me and Ellen was seven. like peas and carrots. There you go. So then uh, we'll go to the seventh, the Cynthia Newbile, Dr. Newbile. I, sorry, I'm going to fangirl on her a little bit. I really appreciate her thought process. <laughs> I do. And when she speaks, she means it. She doesn't say anything that's throwaway. And in this day and age where it's full of fake news and lies, 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 just having knowing that when she opens her mouth, the truth as she sees it is going to come out is so refreshing. Well, and I I think it's also the truth as she's researched it, to be very clear, because very analytical. She she and she's not analytical in the way that, you know, you hear like Kim Gray say, I need more information. I need more time. Like, Cynthia takes the time before mm-hmm. it gets to council. She's very proactive about getting well, her It seems like the moment she yep. knows something is happening. She's on it. She's on it. Well, and I think a lot of people don't realize, and I only know this because of people I've talked to that have seen her out and everything. Whenever there are things going on, she gets out and, like, beats the streets and goes out and talks to restaurant owners during the meals tax break. Oh, yes, she, she does. She goes out and tries to understand, like, what is happening during the whole RRHA heat crisis. Mm-hmm. and. You know, for as much as people can criticize that only Creighton Court was getting attention at that point, Mm -hmm. um, which is pretty much the main criticism that I've heard about it, Mm -hmm. that's because of how much she was pushing. Mm -hmm. I I really appreciate how much she's not very, like, self-involved to the point where she's promoting herself. She's honestly doing it because she cares about the community. And she does. I mean, she really means that. During the time when I was working with the restoration, um, I talked to her, and I don't even know where I ran across her, I was at some event, could have been at a forum, I don't know. But um, she said, well, I'm, I'm gonna be doing some things in that area. Why don't you just tag along with me? And I'm just gonna knock doors. And she's like, you can come with me. And so I knocked doors with her and she wasn't campaigning. We were just kind of knocking doors. She was checking in with people. She was running errands and she was like, I'm gonna meet you here and we're gonna get in the car together and we're just gonna go do it. And I said, this was really good. And I was like, Cynthia, you're really like involved. And I like that, I love that about you and she was like okay well anytime you want to you know like you know piggyback you just let me know and I was like you know people say that all the time but they don't always mean it so I'm gonna see if she means this so I called her maybe a couple months later and I I texted her on the phone and she said just call me because I don't don't know what you're doing just call me and I said okay and so I called her and I said you know I got some stuff I need to do you know I want to I want to go to the courts and she was like all right, well, tell me what time to meet you, and I'll bring the water. And she was right there, on time. That's the one thing. I can't say that about a whole lot of council members, but if she says she's going to do something, mm-hmm. she's going to do it, or she's going to tell you why it was not doable. And, right? like, she's one that anytime I have any question, like, I don't go to my council person. <laughs> God, you go to Cynthia. I go to Cynthia. Like, uh, she, yeah. she's just so genuine. and she's reachable, yeah. She also wears a fierce Pantsuit, oh, right? she is the pantsuit queen, honey. 
I also, she led the charge for council folks to get on the bus and ride it. Yes. Yes, she did. So that did. they could she understand did. what it's like mm -hmm. for the residents who have to do it every day. Uh, we appreciate you, Cynthia. Yes. <laughs> and she's our council VP, in case you guys didn't know. All right. So we'll go on to contrast with uh, Ooh, the Senate Lord. District's quiet force. Y'all <laughs> uh, ready for the drama? To the hurricane. Mm. Reva Trammell. Uh, all you need to, to know is hashtag Reva. I don't know where to start with her. So she was originally on the school board. Uh, she has been on council twice. This is her second stint. Her original uh, date was July 1st, 1998. And then she uh, held her position until 2002. And then she picked it back up again in 2007 to our present day. Mm -hmm. So I used to appreciate her a lot more than I have recently. When you listen to her speak, it sounds really good. It like sounds like she cares so much about everyone in her district. About everyone. And I want to be key on that, on everyone. Right. But kind of like just go back to the drama llama of Reva. <laughs> the drama um, llama. She loves cops. Um, if you Google <laughs> Reva and cops, it will come up. Um, yeah, we won't get fully into that. But um, yes, yeah, she she won't let us. <laughs> yeah. That's all you need to know. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and smoke detectors. Yeah, she loves the people in her district have 12 smoke detectors in their house. What I will say, though, like for anybody who wants to Google Riva, please do, because there's a lot or just like add us on Twitter and we'll go off. Some things are not radio appropriate, I guess. She uh, is very focused on day to day needs, I think, of a lot of yeah. her constituents. So there is a lot of poverty in her area, a lot of elderly people living in yes. her area. You know, a lot of her focus is not really long lasting change. It's very much meeting the day to day needs of her constituents, mm -hmm. right. which is a good thing. But ultimately, like figuring out how to revive vitalize an area is going to be a lot bigger than that. Yeah. Where I personally have a rub with her is I went to her district meeting and it wasn't even her district meeting. Her constituents had to put it together. Oh dear. So at the, meals, the tax, meals tax, yeah, this is at the meals tax committee meeting. She went off about how she needs time to talk to her people. And that's what she always says that she needs to talk to her people. Mm. And you know, the feel that I got at her district meeting has really been, she needs to talk to her people, which is not everyone in her district mm -hmm. um it's her group her group of that she advisors i guess yeah. the ones that when she gives out her phone number actually call at 4 a.m and i get a little bit frustrated with that because it's kind of just it was a letdown i guess of somebody who like cynthia you know cynthia doesn't tell all of the work she does to be great in her community whereas reva is out here screaming about it literally yeah. at oh, council quite literally screaming and i think mm -hmm. a lot of people in her district love her because they do feel like She's doing this for everybody. But if you watch, there were people at her district meeting who mm -hmm. the room was not super full, but about half the people that showed up showed up literally right before her all at once. And then they would ask a question. Mm -hmm. And then after they got their question kind of answered, they'd leave. Leave, yeah. And to me, it, and I started asking around, and apparently a lot of those people will come in and do that at every meeting. So mm -hmm. I also saw her in the cigarette tax committee very clearly she was herding in convenience store mm -hmm. owners, which I think can be very critical, but I don't know what information Reva is really giving these individuals yeah. because I'll see Reva on Facebook and like, I don't think she always, I don't know if she doesn't, I'm just say reading is fundamental. Mm -mm. No, no, I'll go ahead and put that out there. It's some stuff on her Facebook page oh. that yeah, is just that the craziest stuff. And it's like, it's almost as if someone hasn't fully informed her on all the points of a topic. She just heard a buzzword and went with it. And then she posts these super emotional, you know, I'm a rant at you. And it's like, girl, you that went totally over your head. You missed a whole entire point. Exactly. She, city attorney Alan Jackson could explain to her a million times, but huh. if she doesn't hear what she wants to hear. It's not going to get it. It's she's not, not going to get gone. it. And nope. then she's completely reactionary yep. when somebody goes against what she thinks she knows. She wants to hear. You know, accusing folks of taking bribes or promises, you know, for certain votes. It's yep. ridiculous. And, and, and then also, like, she'll go on and on and on very publicly grandstanding about mm -hmm. how she can't believe that sh the, the mayor would not invite her mm. to a meeting that was at Amelia Leitner, mm. her house, with the school board chair, yeah. who is also in the 8th District with Reva. To catch you guys up, Amelia and her have a long-standing, you know, beef, and Amelia recently, again, ran against Reva to 
you know, unseat her. And there's just like, I, maybe I don't... Maybe you're not invited because you sit here and go off about and these go, people that's and it. are very rude to them. That's it. And then maybe that's why, I mean, I'm sure that should tell you something in your district. If the person that was running against you in the most recent election has had a meeting at her personal home with the mayor, the chairman of, or the chairperson of the school board and the new superintendent concerning issues that you should be talking about with these people too, and you weren't invited and they went to go speak to someone who ran against you and lost, that's evidence right there enough but that you need time, to. But at the same time, what she does is then get in front of everybody and use that as a poor Reva moment. Yeah, but that is not poor Reva. Out to get to me. It's, no, it's and not. And that's my point is, yeah, it's, it's, you not. know, she acts like she cares about everybody, but it's right. her people. And so maybe it might be time, 8th District, for you to rally around somebody who actually truly has your interest at heart and wants to do the work, which means do the reading, do the research, and not just hit on buzzwords and hot topics and reactionary issues. The 8th District deserves more. What, what I hear now that I'm thinking of what I hear us saying, and, and it's true, what happens a lot in council is that people will show up and they will do a lot of talking and make a lot of speeches, but sometimes you need people to listen. And that's something that she does not do well. She doesn't listen before her mouth starts going. We need somebody to stand up and, and give her a good challenge. Also, we need somebody who's more representative of um, the population of the 8th District because um, on the real, it's a lot of immigrants and they're not represented. Their interests are not represented, um, and I don't think she has any intention of doing that. I, maybe that's a little controversial. I don't She's, care. They're going to have fire. They're going to have smoke detectors. But they're going to have smoke detectors, and that's all that matters, right? So, all right. Are we ready to move on? I, I'm more than ready to move on from Reva in more, more of the ways than Well, one. because <laughs> we're, go, we're going to end it on a high note. Yeah. Here we go. Because not all heroes wear capes. And you know, this Sometimes is... they stand behind a pulpit as mm-hmm. your preacher man. Yes. I really I didn't expect much out of this guy. No? No. So, okay, so who are we talking about? Ninth District Councilman mm-hmm. Mike Jones. Sorry, Michael Jones, but. Doctor. Who? Dr. Doctor Michael Jones. Jones. Um, I don't know why I didn't expect much out of him. I, I think it's just because, like, in the election of the Ninth District, he, it was just kind of like you didn't hear much. No. And. Well, it wasn't first, much of a competition, was it? There was a handful of people running. I mean, to be fair, Benjamin Leon. Okay, well, the, I was going to say that was the <laughs> one place where he established himself. And I think a lot of people judged Mike by other pastors that we had already yeah. in office, like judging him against uh, Dwight. And then when <laughs> Benjamin Leon popped out of nowhere, um, that was just like. Which, by the way, everybody. Uh, Trumpite. He's the Richmond Big Black. Person. Sunken place. Yeah, he's he definitely need a whole teacup right now. He, <laughs> he he was that black minister that was grandstanding on television for Trump, that was broadcast all over the United States that made us look like the fifth level of stupidity in front of the rest of the country, right. and it was just a mess. And I a lot of people I think looked at Mike Jones and like you said, I don't think a lot of people expected a lot from him because look at the the clown show that was going on and it was very quiet like you didn't hear a whole lot about the ninth district unless it involved the trumpeteer that was on television talking and i think and i another reason i think that's an issue is because mike jones is a doer he doesn't even though he's a great speaker when he speaks he chooses what he's gonna say and he says it but there's not a whole lot of grandstanding like it just it is what it is and i think a lot of his action i mean i think he really likes to just move with action and not with a whole lot of my nickname talking. for him now is Mike. Call the vote, Jones. That's it. He's like, can get I it call done. The question. It's yes. call the question. Can I call yes. the can question? I call the question? He's like, so, get it done. And I, I think that the line for him, and I think every council person in the past year has really had time to come into their own and find their place. And I think for him, it was really the monument. And so what happened is he put forth a bill or a piece of legislation, an ordinance. I guess we don't call it bills down here, or whatever. Um, he put forth an ordinance, actually a resolution, um, since Melissa has trained me on the differences between <laughs> ordinance and resolution. I'm there just, you go. We'll edit that part out. No, Anyways. we won't. <laughs> <laughs> so he put forth a resolution uh, that was basically going to ask the General Assembly to consider giving us permission to remove the monuments because of the Dillon rule. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really, really upsetting to, to watch and listen to the things that were said and I remember so clearly like what he said when it came time for council to discuss it. 
And, you know, the whole parade of people came out to say heritage, not hate, and all of these things. And what I really remember was him saying, if it's heritage and not hate, then why did me and my family and children get death threats? People actually said they wanted to drag his children out and Mm -hmm. hang them on the Lee Mm -hmm. Monument. Mm -hmm. Really? Your monuments are that important to you? Yes. That you want to, to kill some black children? Really? the damn burst, I think, for him of really finding his place and voice on council. Yeah. Because, you know, from there, we then came up to... Well, because um, Richmond made it personal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then we came to Miss Babs. And that was another time I have a clear memory of Mike and what he said. Mm-hmm. And he basically was like, I- I've heard everything you guys have had to say, and I was, I was against this. But then I heard what you all had to say. And basically About- how privileged and racist it all came off and he's like i'm voting in favor because affordable child care near your home in walking distance is hard to find but other people on council didn't feel that way but it really did show him as a champion Uh of the forgotten and the little people the ones who really need a voice it was impressive he's been really impressive since thoughts on the meals tax increase have really concise well thought out and to the point yeah He he really doesn't He doesn't do flowery language. He doesn't yell. He doesn't. He just says it, and that's it. And And that's it. Goodbye. He commands the room. And, and, you know, he's one. I'm not a big fan of people using local government for a stepping stone. Yeah. Especially because so many of our local government and elected officials don't prove themselves before we promote them. Yeah. And I can come up with name and name after name of, like, why are they where they're at? But he's one that I really feel like who he is and, and who he is to his core. Yeah. And... He's too big for city council. And I, I hope that he stays longer, but at the same time, like I could see him being a very big force in the General Assembly at some point. And I'm not somebody that's a big fan of, you know, again, we've been burned in the past yep. by pastors. Unfortunately, we have to say that, but you know, I really think that he's someone who's genuine and is really there for his constituents. Because again, you know, he voted in favor of the meals and when the cigarette tax went to committee, he voted against it. But I really appreciated his reasoning why. He made a promise to his constituents that him and Reva as the eighth and ninth would stand together and work together. And even though he can see where the meals tax is something that had to happen, also sees that the cigarette tax is something that just very much impacts the eighth and the ninth district more so than it does other districts. And I really appreciate him standing behind that and what he told people. Self-awareness and awareness of your district. And being honest about it. Yeah. And not just doing what a couple of handful of big voters tell you. Right. Big dollars, big pockets in your district tell you what to do. And I think what's also interesting about this council, kind of now that we've gone through all nine of them, and let's loop it back into like looking at it as a big picture, you know, something that we could see on the previous council was everybody very much had their kind of, uh, what do they call it on Survivor? Your allies? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. They made alliances. Alliances. There we go. Like, there were very clear-cut alliances. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, there was the, uh, and I, I mean, to be fair, I didn't hate it, um, the the Parker, John Belisles, Chucky Sams, Charles Samuels. Um, that alliance, super there for that and it, one. And it worked. Yeah. But it also meant that you kind of knew what was going to pass. Sure. And yeah. you knew it was going to fail. Yeah. Because you knew what, what votes were coming down the line. And, and I think that's what tripped people out so much about this meals tax, because... You really don't know. You didn't every, know. Every vote, they're very much looking at it as it, it's a very shifting council. Because yeah. to think about, like, Mike and Reva were going, she was actually the one that uh-huh. in the meals text conversation basically lobbed the accusation toward Mike, toward everybody who was voting yes, that you guys are basically accepting something behind the scenes for your vote. And he got very offended by it, so uh-huh. did Cynthia, very vocal about it. And then you fast forward a week and a half, and they're still able to come together yeah. And stand together for Southside. Mm-hmm. And it's still really early, too. Yeah. It's 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 not too late for, you know, Big Brother-style alliances. <laughs> but, um, you know... The shadow government. And on that note, you've been listening to the very first episode of Municipal Mania. Mania, 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 mania. With RVA Dirts. Francesca. Jesse and Melissa on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. It's just another man.